This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, August 19th. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Chris Darnell to join as MedCenter CEO. Photographer Lindsay Ross explores a mushroom world. The Listening Club takes up Tropicalia. And a mountain weather forecast. The Telluride Regional Medical Center will soon have a new CEO. Chris Darnell will be taking over the position at the end of September. In anticipation of his move to Telluride and stepping into the new role, KOTO's Julia Caulfield spoke with Darnell about where he's coming from and where he hopes to see the Med Center go. Hey, Chris, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks, Julia. Starting off with a broad question, can you share a bit about your background and where you're coming from? I'm originally from the East Coast. I am from uh, Virginia, uh, coastal Virginia. And I was there through college, uh, and soon afterwards, I moved to South Carolina, uh, coastal South Carolina. I was in Charleston uh, for almost 20 years. That's where I met my wife, had my kids. And then about nine, almost 10 years ago now, uh, Charleston outgrew us, and we decided it was time for a change, and we moved to Montana. And that's where I am now. I'm in Bozeman, and I've been here for almost 10 years. I'm secretly a ski bum, and so I traded my surfboard in for skis. That'll definitely serve you well here. Um, You work in the healthcare field on the administrative side of things. What brought you into that work? Well, uh, let's see. It's a complicated story, as as life stories always are, but um, I'll give you the short version. So I I was finishing up with college, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I had uh, and this sounds so so cliche, but I either wanted to uh, make a lot of money, I wanted to be rich, or I wanted to make a difference. And, and I now realize you can do both. But uh, so I had I had sort of defined uh, two tracks. I I either wanted to be uh, a stockbroker, or I wanted to go into healthcare. And uh, I'm certainly not a clinician, and never will be. Um, but I had a neighbor who was running a a large health system in Virginia. A friend, and I went and I spoke with him, and I said, "David, what what do I what do I need to do if I want to do what you do? Because what you do seems to be pretty cool. Uh, you're on the administrative side, the business side, and yet you're still having an impact in in healthcare as a, as, a, as a hospital or health system administrator." And he said, "Well, you need to go back to school uh, and get your master's." And uh, after four years of college, I was it was wasn't going to happen, and so I. Uh, that helped me make a decision that I was going to be a stockbroker. And so uh, I did that for, for several years only to realize that while I love that industry and the business, I was not going to be a good, uh, a good salesperson. And so, um, so I decided to go back to school, and that's what led me. I ended up going to graduate school in Charleston, and, uh, and, um, and that's the rest is history, so to speak. You've worked in healthcare and medical facilities across the country. What was it about Telluride that drew you to wanting to be the CEO here? And I think the, the short answer is a right opportunity at the right time. So uh, for me, uh, I mentioned I'm, I'm, I'm married and I have two kids. So my daughter is uh, heading into college this year. Uh, my son was transitioning from middle school to high school. And so I was uh, considering options. And I've learned that I like smaller communities uh, and also smaller facilities. It's, um, for me, it, it seems I'm able to have a bigger impact. 
recognizing you haven't started the position yet, um, what do you see as some of the opportunities or potential challenges for the hospital district? Well, let me start with challenges because I think it's uh, I think it's pertinent. So, uh, so I think there's probably the the, the more traditional challenges that that, uh, that any any healthcare organization or system faces, and, and right now those are those are inflation. Um, Costs of everything are going up, and then staffing. Staffing is a, as you know, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge in every every industry right now, and it's a, it's a significant challenge in in healthcare. Um, but those are two factors. Those are two challenges that I've faced throughout my career. The big challenge that I see is housing, uh, because I, it is and will be the root cause of many challenges that that. that uh, I we have to deal with in terms of opportunities. Wow, it's just wide open. You know, I'm excited to to serve and to to build on what's already in place. Um, I guess always want to start with improving what's currently being done in terms of primary care and emergency services, and then uh, we want to enhance quality and service always. And then ultimately, I know there's a, a community goal to build a community uh, critical access hospital, and so. Um, I'm just excited about the opportunity to, to build on what's already what's already happening and, and to ensure that uh, Telluride Regional Medical Center is there for the future. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate it. For photographer Lindsay Ross, there's just something about mushrooms. Well, first of all, I think the landscape of mushrooms are so, I mean, they're obvious, they're so fantastical. And I think that they really inspire and allow people's imagination to run wild. But if mushrooms are a portal to the realm of the imaginative, they're also a normal part of our daily lives. Little brown buttons growing on the front lawn or sitting on the grocery store shelf. We eat them and they don't talk back to us and they are similar, like seemingly inanimate and or don't have a central nervous system. I just our perceptions of mushrooms in general and that they are these delicate small things generally that we see in the woods that are smaller than us. Albeit like we're discovering more and more how complex and sophisticated they are as organisms. Lately, Ross has been thinking about how mushrooms are often overlooked. But look again, and the weirdness of mushrooms can be a portal to a different world. This is the possibility she depicts in her latest photographs, which are on view in an exhibition titled Mushroom People at the Telluride Arts Gallery on Main Street. The photographs in the exhibit are large black and white prints of people, mostly women, sheltered in lush forest landscapes. They are surrounded by massive, bulbous mushrooms. Or perhaps the people themselves are just tiny. Ross explains that by manipulating her photographic prints, she can play with this illusion of scale. It has both the capability of being very ultra real and true to what we see with our eyeballs in the physical reality, and it also it has uh, tremendous capabilities um, to produce illusions and things that we don't see with our eyeballs, but that become believable by virtue of them, you know, presenting themselves in photographs. Ross isn't working with modern tools like Photoshop. She shoots on a huge vintage camera and uses a process dating from the early days of photography to develop her work. 
called wet plate collodion. This process involves quickly mixing together different chemicals and results in just one unique print for each photograph. So I have to prepare the emulsion on either a piece of glass or metal, um, expose the plate, and then develop it all within a short time frame, around 10 minutes or so. And, you know, each each image is an original. And if I want to make two, I have to take two different photos. And even if it's the same place, I will have different artifacts of the process on each plate. So each one will look slightly different. Although Ross is based in Santa Barbara, California, she often visits and works in Telluride, photographing locals or looking to the surrounding landscape and the nostalgia of the American West. But lately, Ross has focused more and more on expanding her Mushroom People series. Yeah, the project is amazing because it started off as this magazine project, and then as I, after I finished it, I was like, well, I don't think I'm done with this. Like, I think it's just getting started. And as I continue to work on it, like, I keep getting momentum and people come forward who want to work with me on the project. And, and so I feel like it's almost like grown legs and is walking around and making its own plans. It's pulled my attention in. As she's continued work on the project, Ross says she's moved on from shooting with only women and the cast of characters living in the land of the mushrooms is expanding. Like it kind of started off last year as all women and now I'm it's kind of becoming less about women and more people of different shapes and, and forms. Ross hopes that viewers will feel their imaginations open as they look at her latest work. And perhaps what begins as a trip into a fantasy world will then come back to Earth and to a more sensitive and humble view of our place as humans within it. I think I started creating the project out of a need for escape from our all reality, our current reality. And then I guess as it evolved, I've been like really believing in, we like just shifting our perspective on the world and that maybe we are not like the most important thing in it and that there are other beings among us that we just don't see. Ross's work on view now will stay up at the Telluride Arts Gallery on Main Street through the end of August. The Wilkinson Public Library's monthly listening club meets this Monday. It's like a book club, but for albums. This month, Ralph Barney will lead a session on a Brazilian album collaboratively produced by several artists in the 1960s, Tropicalia Upanis et Circenses. Which is Latin for bread and circuses. And it's the manifesto album recorded by several musicians of a movement called Tropicalismo. The tropicalists wanted to do something that was faithful to Brazilian tradition and Brazilian music, but also incorporated new elements, new influences from abroad. Their musical basis was bossa nova. You started doing things like using electric guitars with bossa nova. They listened to the Beatles a lot. They listened to Jimi Hendrix, uh, the Rolling Stones, you know, British and European musicians. They were very influenced by that, especially Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, you know, the experimental tendencies on that album.
It's all in Portuguese, and I don't speak Portuguese. I, I got into Brazilian music probably in the late 1980s. I liked the sound of it, but I, I didn't understand the lyrics, and I didn't even try to, to be honest. I just listened to it because I liked the sound of it. Even Western music, um, a lot of music I like, I probably don't have an in-depth understanding of the lyrics. But maybe I'm missing maybe I'm missing out a lot on the real meaning, or the real true essence of the music by not knowing that. But to put it exactly... I guess I just don't feel the lyrics are that critically important to really appreciate music. I almost never hear Brazilian music in Telluride. In my 15 or 16 years here, I've heard nothing, uh, really. And that, that kind of surprises me because Telluride is a town where music is a big part. So my hope is that by doing this presentation next week, I'll maybe get some people interested in it. So under, in the early 60s, Brazil was a democracy. In 1964, there was a military coup, actually, you know, backed up by the US, and funnily enough. They got rid of the government, put in place a, basically a military dictatorship. So the music uh, and the movement developed under that. The record itself, the lyrics aren't overtly political, but they do have critical elements in them in some of the songs. And I think the lyrics in some cases are quite ambiguous. They, they kind of kept it subtle, but eventually it caught up on them and there were consequences for the individuals involved. Uh, two of the musicians, the leaders of the movement, Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gil, were arrested by the military at the end of 1968. Uh, they were under house arrest for six months, I believe, and then they were forced into exile. They lived in London for like two or three years. Art often tends to criticise the status quo. I think that's an important role art has to play, is to be critical of what's happening in a country over politicians. To me, that's a healthy thing. Uh, it's part of democracy. Ralph Barney will lead the listening club on Tropicalia Upanis at Circensis this Monday, August 22nd, from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. One person's left-behind ephemera is another person's jackpot. This Saturday, the Telluride Marshals Department will host their semi-annual bike and unclaimed items silent auction. Head to the Town Park Pavilion from 9 to 11 a.m. on August 20th to bid on the orphaned items and, who knows, come home with your new favorite find. No parking will be available at the park and, the Marshals Department notes, items cannot be returned at the auction. The Telluride Museum is calling all aboard for a history tour along the route of the old Rio Grande Southern Railway. Rather than hopping a train, however, you'll have to depend on your own two feet. Billed as a hike into history, participants on the tour will walk along the old railway route in the Ophir and Ilium areas. 
The route will feature an abandoned depot, railroad bridges, and information about local geology. The hike departs from the Sunshine Overlook parking area on Saturday, August 20th at 9 a.m. and is being led by geologist Matt Steen. For more information, visit telluridemuseum.org. Be honest. How many celestial bodies can you pick out in the night sky? How many constellations, planets, and galactic landmarks do you know? This Tuesday, the Wilkinson Public Library could help you grow that list. Astronomer Ramona Gaylord will lead a stargazing night, where she'll help participants delve into noteworthy celestial events, look at celestial bodies up close through a telescope, and learn new night sky facts. Stargazing with Ramona will take place this Tuesday, August 23rd, from 8 to 9.30 p.m. on the Wilkinson Public Library's Upper Terrace. A gun rights group is taking two more northern Colorado cities to court over firearms restrictions passed in response to the Boulder King Super shooting. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, the group is trying to stop bans on assault-style weapons. Rocky Mountain Gun Owners says it's emboldened by the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to strike down New York's law restricting guns in public places, and the gun group scored a legal victory against Superior last month when a judge temporarily blocked the city from enforcing its new gun restrictions. Now the group has filed three more lawsuits against Boulder, Louisville, and Boulder County, seeking to block their new restrictions. The complaints say laws restricting semi-automatic rifles and magazines are unconstitutional. Gun control supporters say the new laws could help prevent mass shootings like the one that killed 10 people at a Boulder grocery store last year. Colorado lawmakers gave cities the power to pass their own gun rules last year. I'm Scott Franz. The late summer days mean roadside farm stands and farmers markets around the region are overflowing with peaches. Palisade's 54th annual peach festival took place recently to celebrate this year's crop. For KDNK and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Haddison Rensberry has more. Certain celebrities may get their peaches down in Georgia, but Palisade peaches are a summer staple of the Mountain West. The annual Palisade Peach Agricultural Festival boasts peach-based novelties, crafts from local artisans, and a sampling of small businesses. In case you didn't have the chance to visit Palisade last weekend, the news team at KDNK did it for you and sampled some peaches while we were at it. Mm. Pretty good. Not half bad. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday, expect showers and thunderstorms with a high around 60 degrees. Saturday night should be mostly cloudy with a low in the mid-40s and a 60% chance of precipitation. Sunday calls for showers and thunderstorms with a high in the mid-60s. Sunday night should be partly cloudy with a low in the mid-40s and a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms. This has been the news for Friday, August 19th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. 
we would like to thank everyone who has donated to KOTO during our summer fundraising. A huge thank you to Peter Harrelson, Geneva and Laura Seanette, Desiree Herrera, Debbie Cox, Deanna Colliger, Catherine Devlin, Lois Major, Phil Hayden and Leigh Sullivan, Michaela McManus, Wiley Freeman, Matthew Bowling, Rosie Cusack, Ricky M. Folly Jr., Alan and Marcia Doctor, Kim and Jake Spaulding, Gus Gassiora, Rube Felicelli, Angela Mallard, Matt Vietti, Eli Simpson, Luigi Chiarani, Bill and Cheryl Jensen, Franz R. Rossman, Star Blaisdale, Warren Gilbreth, Amy Levick, Cindy O'Brand and family, Amy Yenkin, Moise Kohari, Natalie Grooms, Don Swarenga, Suzanne Hurt, Hillary and Max Cooper, and Stephen Collins. Thank you all so much.